In today's episode, we're traveling to Lake Superior and hearing from hikers who saw something that smelled awful in the woods. Then we travel to the caves of West Virginia, and you won't believe what this spelunker finds. And finally, we hear from someone who encountered a massive beast when their car broke down. But before we get to the stories, if you want to be part of the Dread Army, then hit that subscribe button. And even if you are subscribed, make sure you have notifications turned on, or YouTube won't show you my latest releases. Now let's get to the stories. I'll never forget this really weird thing that happened a few Christmases ago. The circumstances weren't great. It was when we all had temporarily moved back to Lake Superior to be closer to Mom, those being her final few months and all. Cancer's evil. My sister and her new husband were staying in a rental, but my little brother and I slept at Mom's. It was obviously going to be a bleak day, but my brother-in-law was really making an effort to come through for us. He did his part to try and brighten our days. Mom really liked him too, and seeing her happy made me like the guy a little more. On Christmas Eve, my brother-in-law suggested a family hike through the surrounding wilderness. Mom and my sister were more than happy to stay home, and after some persuading on their end, they convinced my little brother to stay back with them. So my brother-in-law and I headed out by ourselves. We hopped in the truck and began the short drive to the base of the hike. I remember that the weather that day was menacing. We drove down a long, flat, ice-covered road for a while, making small talk here and there. I had no problem spending one-on-one -on -one time with this guy. As a matter of fact, I was sort of hoping he'd be a little uncomfortable and start making a fool of himself to impress me or something. But the guy was cool as a cucumber the entire time. We pulled off the road and parked in an empty lot next to the trail sign. We grabbed our packs and made sure we were sufficiently bundled and embarked on the hike. We were both silent for a while, just taking in the beauty of the frostbitten wilderness around us. After a while, though, a light snow began to fall, and soon the measly trail was covered. We couldn't exactly see the trail at this point, but we pressed on in the direction we had been going. After a half an hour of trudging through the snow, I was getting a little ticked off. I can't place it now, but I remember feeling something awful for my brother-in-law, but only for a minute. Staring at the back of his head as we trudged through the snow, I pushed the thoughts away. A little while later, he stopped in place, and I nearly ran into the back of him. All at once, something putrid filled the air, and there was no question this was the smell of death. It must have been a decaying moose that got stuck somewhere and froze. Maybe there was another one close by. It was overwhelming. The death was larger than one dead moose. I suggested that the smell was coming from a dead animal, still facing the back of the guy's head. I didn't want to see his face. If he looked like he was going to puke, I was going to puke. It's coming from over there, he said, almost robotically, and he stepped off the trail we had been following. He began trudging into the thick wilderness to our right, without turning to face me once. I called after him, but he just kept walking towards something. I weighed my options. I could either stand there in the rotten air by myself and wait for him to return, or I could follow him. I didn't want to be alone out there. By the time I made my mind up, he was several paces in front of me, and we were off the trail, and it was snowing, so I couldn't exactly reach out and force him to stop. Whatever he was moving toward was bad. I couldn't only smell it, I could feel it. As we moved, the smell got unbelievably worse. 
It was as if we wandered onto an old dumping ground filled with decaying roadkill. But it was so much worse than that. A loud noise came from deeper in the woods, from what must have been the source of the awful stench. My brother-in-law sped up and outpaced me. I lost sight of him. I was terrified to be out there alone. The snow was really coming down now, and I asked myself why I ever agreed to go hiking in the middle of winter with this crazy guy. I was snapped out of my own thoughts when I saw it. I thought at first I was looking at an animal, deer legs and matching hooves, snowy and tussled. But then, my eyes moved up its body, and I couldn't even find it in myself to scream. The fur of this thing's deer hips curled in towards an emaciated abdomen and ribcage of a human. The skin was torn and stretched and mangled, with pieces of bloodless flesh hanging off. At the seven-foot mark, the skinless head of the creature stared straight at me with glowing yellow eyes. It stood about ten feet in front of me, towering above the snowdrifts around it. I saw its gummy lips pull back into an evil grin, revealing teeth as sharp as nails and a black tongue. The smell immediately got worse, and it started toward me. There was nowhere to go. I still can't believe what happened next. In comes my brother-in-law with a flare, like a seasoned quarterback. He threw the lit flare straight at the beast, it bouncing off the thing's bony chest and onto the snow in between the two of us. As the flare's light intensified, this monster unleashed a piercing screech and arched its back. The evilness in its eyes became uncontainable, and it bolted into the wilderness away from us. My brother-in-law and I didn't need to say anything to each other. We just ran back to the car, thanking our lucky stars that we made it out alive. We're still not sure if it was real or not. Maybe just a winter-induced hallucination or something. But I know whatever I stared into that day in the woods was a different sort of evil. Something eviler than cancer. Let me start out by saying that I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means. I believe in science, facts, and numbers. I don't make stuff like this up for attention, and it's important for you to know that. I am first and foremost a pragmatist. That's why I'm hesitant to tell this story. I haven't told anyone until now, because I'm not even sure if I believe what happened to me that day. I'd been living in West Virginia for a few months. I'm an aerospace engineer, and I'd recently been transferred from Washington. I don't really know why I'm sharing this. Anyway, I was still getting used to my surroundings. I'm a big outdoors person, so I had been exploring the hills and hiking in the majority of my free time. It wasn't necessarily a small town, but things could go pretty still for a while, especially when I was out in the woods. As I said, I'm practical, so I knew better than to wander out at night or go anywhere without protection. Something I had always wanted to do was go and explore West Virginia's caverns. I didn't have a ton of experience spelunking, but I found a bunch of information online for first-timers. So, one Sunday, I drove out to the caverns. I had all the necessary equipment in my pack, with extras of everything, and I felt pretty confident. I geared up in my helmet, my headlamp, and knee and elbow pads. I looked pretty goofy, I'll tell you that. I began my exploration. The cavern was structured in a way that the spelunker gradually descended several hundred feet before any serious dips or drops revealed themselves. That was when the adrenaline would kick in, and the real exploring would start. As I descended flatly, I passed a handful of groups, 
a couple trying their hand at adventuring, two or three seasoned pros here and there, and a family with whining children who cut the flattest part of the caving short and turned back. By the time I reached the end of the warm-up descent, the temperature had dropped considerably. I was thankful I brought an extra layer. I saw a few different tunnels of varying width, branching out into separate explorations. I set out down one passage that was high and wide enough to stand comfortably, though I sensed this comfort wouldn't last. The rock formations were brilliant, and the atmosphere down there was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. It was so quiet, cool, and serene. The drops became more pronounced, and I figured I was around 300 feet underground at that point. The ground evened out, and the walls of the passage gave way to an open room-like area of the cave. A small glittering pool rippled in the corner. It was so beautiful. I took a minute just to soak it all in. At the far end of the open area, the passage continued, appearing like a black hole leading into nowhere. I suddenly had this feeling. I don't even know how to describe it. It was like claustrophobia. But I'd never had that before. I always loved stuff like this. I pressed on and shrugged away the feeling. It was a lot darker in this new passageway for some reason and colder too. I hugged my pack tightly against my shoulders. Then I heard something. It was like nails dragging down the sides of the rock walls, but coming from the outside. It wasn't possible. With every step I took forward, the clawing sounds got louder. I was convinced that my mind was just playing tricks on me. I had heard about that happening to spelunkers, but it was just so damn loud at this point, like someone, something, was dragging its nails down a chalkboard just inches from my head. I took another step, and when my foot touched the earth, a powerful gust of wind flew back at me, nearly making me lose my balance. Had someone opened up a pressurized door at the end of this passageway? No, obviously not. Not possible. Whatever it was, the wind was enough to turn me around. I headed back toward the open area, the darkness stalking me from behind. My feet seemed to move on their own. I was practically jogging as I approached the soft glow of the open area with the pool. I marched straight across the adjacent passage. Just before I departed from the clearing, I felt something breathing on my neck. There was no mistaking that feeling for coincidence. I froze and turned. From the blackness of the tunnel on the other side of the room, two red dots were glowing at me. Eyes. Stunned, I blinked. It was suddenly right in front of me, appearing there instantly and impossibly. I couldn't take my eyes from theirs. I could see a reflection of myself in the cave behind me in those orbs. It shifted and I looked at its body for the first time. It could have been me in a costume. I wish it were me in a costume. Around six feet tall and distinctively humanoid. The creature was covered in this oily black fuzz like a gigantic fly. It began to spread its arms. No, it was wings. And I was totally consumed by my fear. Impossibly large, black bug wings outstretched. They span half the length of the creature's body on both sides. And a multitude of tears and rips disconnected the skin from the cartilage. I looked back into its eyes, and the thing was back in the open mouth of the opposite passageway. Its eyes still glowing. The faceless mouth of the creature began to open. This was enough to kick me back into gear. Throwing all caution to the wind, I sprinted as fast as I could out of the tunnel. I could hear the scratching noises all around me, following me. 
And just as I began to let the fear get the best of me, I saw the brighter glow of the cave's base. Needless to say, I made it out of that tunnel. I ran the whole way back to my car, ignoring all the crazed looks in my direction. I still don't believe what I saw. I'm a practical individual, and I don't believe in ghosts or monsters or aliens or anything like that. But I do believe that I outran something terrible that day. I won't be heading back into those caves anytime soon. I was on my way to my uncle's funeral when I saw Bigfoot. It's funny because I probably wouldn't have gone except that I hoped he'd leave me some money. Fat chance though, because he never had much and if he did, his loser son would get it. But I thought it was worth a try, and even if he didn't, maybe his sister, my Aunt Sue, might give me a few bucks. I had to drive all the way to Ames from Cedar Rapids, where I live, and I wasn't sure my old truck was going to make it. There's a whole lot of nothing on that drive. It's not even interstate. You take State Highway 30 West. The worst thing on that truck was the tires, and that's what I learned when I blew one in the nothing between Cedar Rapids and Marshalltown. Scared the crap out of me when the truck dropped on the passenger side. I wrenched it off the road onto the shoulder. It was summer and pretty hot so I was glad at least I'd broken down near a bunch of trees. A windbreak, I guess, for all the cornfields. I had a donut spare under the seat, but it was how to get it out along with that cruddy little jack they come with. I grabbed the lug nut wrench and loosened the nuts before I started jacking up the truck. Just as I got it up and pulled off the tire, I heard a car stop in front of mine. At this point, I didn't care because I'd already done the hard part, so I ignored it and kept putting on the donut. I heard boots scrape on the pavement and looked up to see this big guy. I didn't like the look of him. He had this greasy hair and a cigarette hanging out of the corner of his mouth. You need some help, he said. No thanks, I got it. Good, he said, because I'm not going to help you. I'm going to rob you. Ah, oh, come on, man, I said. I got $10 in my pocket for gas, that's it. He grabbed my hair and pulled. I had no choice. I had to stand up. He was right in my face with this nasty meat breath. I got nothing, I said. You got $10? I want it, he said. I was reaching into my pocket when I heard this whooping yell. We both looked toward the sound. I thought at first I was looking at a dude in a gorilla suit. But there was no way. It was too believable. And not quite gorilla-like either. Besides, no one is that tall. The thing had to be at least 10 feet tall. It was barefoot and its feet were huge and hairy. Really, what it looked like more than a gorilla was one of those drawings of prehistoric humans, only big. It had hair bare like fur, really, all over its body except for its face. It glared at us back with these black eyes, almost as if we had woken it up. And then it yelled again, not words, like pre-words, like it was learning to talk. It was angry, though. Anyone could see that. And then, it started to walk toward us. The dude who was trying to rob me looked scared as hell. He stared at it like he was frozen, and then he ran to his car and left, peeling out like he was running away from the law. I would have gone too except that donut tire wasn't on yet, but I had a feeling that the thing didn't want to hurt me. Still, I would have at least gotten into my truck if I could have. I couldn't. I just looked at the thing. It stood there until the car was out of sight. Then it looked at me and I could have sworn it was wondering if I needed help. We looked at each other and said thanks, even though I knew it couldn't understand me. 
I went back to putting on my tire, and by the time I finished, it was gone. I went over to where I'd seen it, just looking to see if I could find any tracks or anything. I smelled a little urine, but that was all. When I got to the next town, I decided to get lunch. The funeral wasn't until late afternoon, and if I got there early, I'd just have to listen to the same old stories I heard a hundred times. I went to a little diner in Marshalltown and ordered an egg salad sandwich and an apple pie. I asked a waitress if she'd heard of any Bigfoot sightings in the area. I wasn't sure if she thought I was crazy at first, because she looked really surprised, but then said, yeah, why? I shrugged and said, just wondering. She stood there with her hand on her hip. Okay, fine. I think I saw him, I said. Where, she asked. On 30, a few miles back. She asked, did you get a picture? Idiot that I was. I hadn't even thought of that. I said no. She shook her head like she didn't believe me, or she thought I was an idiot. I continued to Ames and went to the funeral. My cousin gave a speech about how funny his dad was. He used to claim that he played for the New York Giants, which was a lie, and loved to play pranks on people like putting a cup of water on top of doorways. My uncle didn't leave me anything except for his old guitar. I pawned it and got enough money for a new tire. On the way home, I went by the spot where I'd seen that Bigfoot. I pulled over and sat in the truck for a while to see if he would come. He didn't, and it started to get dark, so I left. That's my story. Let me know what you think about these stories in the comments below. Also, make sure to check out dreadsarmy.com, where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dreads Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.